my name is The Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Because they came to whose house? Where'd you go to college? Syracuse? Syracuse? That's a basketball school. Let's play some basketball! Rain Man, good to go. Hey, Coach, how are you? I'm good, Rain, I'm good. Thanks for doing this today. No problem. I have an English muffin if you got one. What's that? No, go ahead. Wait, I'm ready. Aha! This is the Sportzilla Show. Here's Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. It's National Make a Friend Day today, Scoop. Today is National Make-A-Friend Day. Who wants to do that? Every day is national something that never used to be something that we had to deal with every day, but now it is something that we deal with every day because you have to try to keep up with this. I think there's a calendar somewhere online that lists them all. There's like eight of these things every day. It's weird. Have you ever seen that calendar? Nick Ailes is in studio with us today. Have you seen the calendar, Shaka, brother? Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm sure it exists. I mean, there's the built-in one, like it's it's Christmas Day or it's New Year's Day or it's Thanksgiving Day, but every day is a day, a, some kind of a day. You have to have a day. National it, Loose Tooth Day. Can't you have a good day or a bad day or just, as a friend of mine, Brian, used to say to me all the time, dude, have a day. He'd go, because I don't know if you're having a good day or a bad day, and your good day could turn into a bad day, so just have a day, because ultimately... Every single one of them has 24 hours in it, and that's what you're going to have one way or the other. And then you move on. Maybe the next day is good. The next day is bad. You never know. It could just be mediocre. And you have a day. National Ingrown Toenail Day. National Day of something. Do you know what I'm talking about, Nick? He's looking perplexed. There's too many of them. There's too many. You haven't thought about this. That's the problem. No, I'm just thinking about National Ingrown Toenail Day. Oh, that's the one that got you? (laughs) Yeah. Who would celebrate that? What if I came into work tomorrow and I was like, hey, it's National Ingrown Toenail Day? You'd, like, laugh me out of the building. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, we're not celebrating that. Thanks for sharing. That's too much information. Do you have one right now? Nick always has some sports gear on. It's Yankees and Knicks predominantly. But we should have National Nick Ailes wore something besides sports gear day. National Rain Man did not wear a beanie on his bald head day. Scoop, uh, what do you have a restaurant shirt on today? Yeah, normally it's a rock band, but I'm like, you know. I'm usually in a T-shirt of some sort or, or another. So so today should be a national scoop. Didn't wear a rock band T-shirt. Today. There you go. Wow. There you, Today's a special day. There you go. I have, you know something, and, and I've known you for a number of years now, Scoop, obviously, as we've been coworkers, and I've seen pictures, but I don't know that I've ever seen you in a button-down shirt. Uh, I have them. <laughs> I wear them on occasion. <laughs> Just not here. Yeah. I, I, okay. Fair enough. I have some of those. Uh, I still have them from my like, God, like the night, the nineties or two thousands. Those Echo button down shirts, the E C K O. They were kind of you know, like cool designs and everything. Not too, like almost like business, but like well, off plaid sorts of things. So we're on twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. All of the programs on ESPN Radio Syracuse are. This is the Sportszilla Show. The studio that we're in right now is where the show from my former station, which I still do the evening, 7 to midnight for the time being, but K-Rock and the morning show is in here with our owner a little bit earlier today, and they left the remnants of one of their bits, which is the broom that is over against the wall. Scoop, I'm going to stall for a second. Can how, you- about, how about that all over your social media today? The broom challenge or the broomstick challenge? 
and people believing that there's a certain cosmos alignment today that that allows the broom to stand up today and today only. Nick, will you can you just pull your headphone yeah. your earbuds out? You want me to do it for you? Just go over get the broom. It, uh, by the way, this is a myth. It, it, it's 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 a myth. It works every single day of the year, but for some reason the internet has convinced everybody. I don't know if they can see it on the cameras. You might have to do it like right behind Scoop over there. Let's see if this works. We can break that broom out if we get like a Yankees Red Sox sweep. We have to keep this in the studio now. And did it work? Well, there's carpeting on here because my daughter, my middle daughter, had us doing it last night in the kitchen, and it didn't work. It's tough. No, it. No, it has to do with if you're on a floor that doesn't have a rug on it, it actually works. But it's it it's ridiculous because it's not a thing. You know, my dad used to have a broom challenge when I was a kid. So it was the, it was get off your lazy ass and sweep the floor. <laughs> That's your broom challenge. Yeah, you still do that in the uh, rain casa. Okay, the NBA something to talk about as we get back in line here. Just kind of had to share some of the things that were happening in this room and out in the world and. Now I feel a little bit better. Load management is going to be a thing for not just Kawhi Leonard or a term that you hear throughout the NBA, but now they're discussing this potentially happening before you know it with somebody named LeBron James, and I thought that was interesting. You're going to start to see that. Well, it's, it's already happened, don't you think, Nick? I mean, LeBron's been managing his workload for a long time. I mean, and it's brought him great success. I would think he'd keep doing it. Yeah, Why not? I mean, it's a tough schedule. A, a game in uh, November isn't as important as the games at the end of the year. Or so, a February game or the yeah. beginning of March. Remember when he took a little time off when he was with Miami? And he just or when he went back to Cleveland and he just went down to Miami and hung out on the beach in his yeah. house that he still had down there, just to rest the back to get his body right to just kind of rehab himself. So all the bumps and the bruises were set to go because he was carrying those those Cavalier teams. He really literally, was. literally. Uh, doesn't quite have the uh, the players that he has now with the Lakers. He's a little bit older. He's still performing, but he's going to need some rest. Sean Farnham was talking about that. Yes, LeBron and load management going to be a thing, not just Kawhi in Los Angeles. I know he doesn't want to. He's publicly come out and said, I don't want to. Well, what you want and what you may get are two very different things. At least that's what my parents used to tell me when I was growing up. <laughs> You're looking at a player that is only Carl Malone and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played more minutes than LeBron James has in his NBA career, including mm-hmm. the postseason. He's played 455 more minutes than Kawhi Leonard has this year. The goal isn't simply for this Lakers organization to have a the best record in the regular season. The goal is to have a parade in late June, celebrating a world championship. And there you have it. I mean, the coach is going to say, LeBron, sit down. Frank Volk is going to say, take a rest, or he's going to pull him out certain games, or he's even going to manage his load within games, not just say you're taking certain days off. They're going to have a plan, and he's going to have to follow it. And I think that he will, don't you? Well, I think he's going to help make the plan. And this whole idea that this is a new thing for LeBron, this is – why we laughed earlier in the season. Oh, so what he's saying. When he kind of picked on Kawhi. So I want to play every night. I want to, cause we all, if we really rack our brains, we remember back instances with Miami and Cleveland where he took time off. He took a break. We all remember that in Cleveland. And then supposedly Kyrie Irving was supposed to lead the team, but couldn't. And then people go, Oh, that's just the Cavs. 
And then Kyrie Irving tried to lead a couple other teams, and that hasn't necessarily worked there either. But this is not new. It's just the term is new. Load management is new terminology, new glossary. So what you're saying is what he's telling the press to put out to the public or maybe make sure that his teammates or Lakers Nation hears is not necessarily behind the scenes what he's going to agree to with a closed-door conversation or two with not just Coach Frank Vogel but the Lakers organization. It's an understood. Well, yeah, and the Lakers want to sell tickets too. They don't necessarily, I think, want to come out and say, that LeBron's taking a certain night off because they they want to sell tickets. Uh, they want to. Everybody's got a resale market now, a secondary ticket market. The teams are in on that now. They're making money on that. Nick Ailes is going to have a unique observation with a shock. He always gives me the shock every time I'm about to put him on the mic. So, what do you what do you view as far as LeBron and load management moving forward? I mean, uh, why not? Like he's his back has been killing him for years carrying teams. He's the best player in the on the planet right now. I'm pretty sure he's earned the right to say, "Yeah, I'll take a game off." Yeah. I, what, what if I tried to tell him no? He'd be like, "No, nah, I'm doing it anyway." You gonna contact your people out there with the Lakers? Yeah, my guys. You, like I don't think they they say who 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 is that guy? Nick Ailes. I'm Nick Ailes. <laughs> yeah, they they don't know me. But the, the point is, like, I I'm pretty. He's he's earned the right. To do it, and if they win a world championship, does it matter? No, nobody's going to care that he took a game off at this point in time. Oh, yeah. there'll be a parade in Los Angeles. It'll just be the Clippers parade. You think it's going to be the Clippers? Mm. I don't think it's going to be the Lakers unless uh, they step it up and maybe maybe they get Dion. I don't know. I don't think they've got enough right now, and it's a lot of basketball to be played. I could be swayed the other way, but right now. I, I don't think they're as strong as the Clippers. Well, there is a former player for Syracuse named Andy Routens, who was actually drafted in the second round by the New York Knicks, but his dad, Leo Routens, you might remember him, played in Cuse as well, but he is currently a broadcaster for the Toronto Raptors, who are the defending champions, minus Kawhi, however, still playing remarkably well. Their record is better than it was at this point last season due to 15 straight wins, uh, being led by a guy named Fred Van Fleet, not the band Greta Van Fleet, but Fred Van Vliet. Man, has he been on point lately. Just dropped 29, a good basketball player. Not a household name, but if you look back at them winning the championship last year, he was a key member of that team. You could say they didn't win it without Kawhi because they never had until Kawhi got there last year, but they didn't win it without him either. I mean, Pascal Siakam, there's a lot of key guys that contributed, a team wins a championship. But he was, I mean, he was off the charts good last year, uh, especially in certain games where you were just like, you might have been the best player on the court. They've been very good in the regular season. Uh, And if you remember... Even when DeMar DeRozan was still on the team. There was a a stretch of years there, though, when LeBron was in the East, they'd run into the Cavs, and he would almost single-handedly defeat them sometimes. You just... You know, so... Look, they are good in the regular season. They were that really good regular season team that could never get it done in the postseason. Kind of like Minnesota's been for a while, and then they run into the Yankees. But go ahead. Well, that's the key. What are these teams, and and what are guys like Giannis going to be able to do in the playoffs when it really counts? That's why we have these conversations about load management. we got 8 million games we play in a season now, for crying out loud, but the ones that really matter that – that are for a championship or at the end of the year. These guys, these superstars don't have to go out there and beat themselves up every night against 
the dogs of the league or even the, the, the really good teams. Some nights they just need a night to re- relax, take a night off, a break, a breather. Sportsilla show is happening on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Nick Al's in studio with Rain and Scoop. NBA related though, there's some news about the Knicks. They've hired this branding consultant since I happened to bring them up. Steve Stout is his name. He denies he fired Steve Mills, uh, but basically he's rebranding the team, trying to change the image of the team. And I don't know they've won four in a row, but I mean, they're trying to, it's polish a turd is, is really what this is because that's what they are. But I, I suppose to, to make them more attractive to free agents. And I've actually, believe it or not, have his philosophy for you right now. This is what Steve Stout said, new brand consultant for the New York Knicks on how winning cures all. We haven't even talked about getting a coach yet. Madison Square Garden is the greatest place to play on earth, right? It's the greatest arena in the world, my point of view. That's why athletes want to go there. They, they, they get psyched up to go to Madison Square Garden. And you have this iconic franchise. I think if we get those two things right, not that the Garden has no issues. If we get the Knicks right, we get players wanting to come in. I think all of those other things that, as we talked about, whether it be Steinbrenner or, or Jerry Jones, when you start winning and you start putting that product on the court, those things well, start to disappear. So it has nothing to do Listen. with Dolan. Huh? So some of Hold the frustrations on. have nothing to do with Dolan, in your opinion? I think fans need somebody to point at. Because <laughs> he's the problem, Scoop. Isn't that laughable? Nick's fan, Nick Ailes. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, is James Dolan still the owner? He says that every time because he's right. Go ahead. The first thing the Knicks gave him in his new job, a fire extinguisher. <laughs> to put out the dumpster they, fire. They said, go out there. We got a fire out back. Oh, it's it's bad. He went on. So this... people may want to throw James Dolan in there, but we can't because he owns the team. Well, they have to do things to distract from the fact that James Dolan is the owner because Steve Stout goes on to say, how they're going to use off-the-court money to make it more attractive to play there. You know how many players went to Golden State because of the tech industry yeah. around that That's team? Real. I want to go there. Bob Myers is a great guy. You know, Steph Curry, whatever. But, like, I can go there and I can get game, off-the-court game. These athletes in the locker room, these guys are talking about their portfolios. Mm-hmm. They're talking about how much money That's they're making off-the-court. That's what makes it crazy, court. Steve. That's New York City. What do you think I'm doing here? Take so what do you think I'm doing here? I'm going to go in. This are the, these are the type of opportunities the players want to talk about. They want to get into uh, technology I- investments. They want to expand beyond just being, you know, an athlete. Like, so if my if I'm going to be a part of the Knicks organization, I'm bringing my entire network to the table. Real That's quick, my job. Real quick, Scoop, we're up against a break. If you become a New York Knick, we'll give you tickets to the Book of Mormon. Which the was New York good. opportunity, baby. It was good on Broadway. So we're going to talk about some more Q's guys. We're going to talk about Eric Dungy not playing in the XFL. They already fired a defensive coordinator in the XFL after one game. Oh, and by the way, we didn't forget that there's a Syracuse basketball game tonight at 7 o'clock. They're playing NC State. We talked to Jim Beheim. We're going to share that with you at about 3.30. But some crazy stuff happening in Major League Baseball. It's all next in the SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop.
Hello, one and all. Sportsilla show back after vibing to the tunes. You bounce into the beat. Not paying attention to what we're doing. Doing a show for Twitch and not for the radio. We've, we got to do the one first. We literally were. We were. We were doing some talking to the people that might be watching on Twitch at Q Sports Talk, and totally forgot that we're in the midst of a live radio show. It's not that bad, though. We're all good. We we're, went on a horrible uh, Susan Waldman impersonation yeah. jag there. I get. I get. When I do a Susan Waldman impersonation, and those will start regularly. Probably. Unfortunately, I cannot contain myself. But once Yankees baseball really gets underway, and here we are in pitchers and catchers, I read that Dellen Batonsis was throwing a bullpen for the Mets, by the way, who uh, 50-something million dollars or $47 million, some ridiculous amount of money. Needless to say, they renovated the spring training locker rooms. That's the point. And they're, like, not going to let the minor league players in there. It's like, no, you can't come in. That's basically what's happening. I read that same tweet. Thank it would have taken $4 million to renovate or to give minor league players better. Uh, conditions and they, they, they spend $50 million on a facility that they'll use for about three weeks. They pay them garbage, especially in the lower levels of the minor leagues. Like it's barely a livable wage. And yet with all of that money, they don't do anything to up their pay just a little bit. But then if they're good enough to make the major leagues, they get paid. I, I suppose that's the, the consolation or the payoff in the end, literally and figuratively pun intended. But yeah, I don't quite understand why they can't up the pay a little bit. I'm sure that they could be like, Okay, you could scale the locker room back a little bit, but they can't even go in there. Yeah, that's uh, that does not seem right. Trevor Bauer, head of your your favorite team, the Cleveland Indians, a little former pitcher on the Cleveland Indians, He's a red now, I believe. Yes, he had some serious issues with the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, who is from Rome, New York. I mean, he called him out on Twitter. Nick Ailes, you saw that. Were you like, damn? I mean, I, I didn't say anything like that, but I was. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised because Trevor Bauer is just that guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, he'll speak. He's basically. I think that he's going to be the voice of the Players Association when he retires. He spouts off about everything and everybody. He seems to think that this new suggested playoff format, the proposed playoff changes to Major League Baseball, are a terrible idea. However. There are a few that are saying, no, it's not necessarily a bad idea as they've made some changes with, you know, with adding wild cards and things like that over the years. I mean, it's been exciting. It gets it. It allows more teams to have a chance. There's more teams in it for longer over the course of the season. And I get that. That's been exciting. That's paid off. But some of this, the ways they want to take this, I don't know about this picking your opponents thing, but I mean, I've got to. I've got to read up more on it in the fine details, but on the surface, I'm like, whoa, that's just, no, I'm I'm not a fan. I'm not the only one. Others are, I mean, you got Trevor Bauer, who's a current player. You have others disagreeing with this. Maybe you're going a little bit too far, too extreme with some of the changes that you want to make to the game. There's purists on the other side who are going to be like, whoa, I don't like this at all. Didi Gregorius tweeted that, basically, why can't we just leave the game alone, this beautiful game? Well, I think one of the problems with basketball and hockey are that there's too many teams that get into the playoffs. We just had this conversation about load management. And it's, in effect, the playoffs have made and rendered the regular season, you know, they're like a moot point. It doesn't really matter. Does baseball want to head down that path? I like the wild card. Okay, I would actually suggest, I don't like the one-game playoff thing, I would, but at least play three. I agree with that 100%. I, I wish they would do that, you know, like expand it that way. But the whole idea that 
you know, somebody's going to be able to pick their opponent or, or, or not pick a certain team because they just feel they don't match up well with them. That's just weird. It, it is sort of reality show, like some people have described it. I mean, uh, what, what you're doing this for, uh, ratings on like a half hour show, almost like, you know, the, you're going to unveil this on a TV show. Like I know they try to create these events like the NBA lottery and, you know, the, the ball, the uh, lotto balls and all that kind of thing. But I don't, I just don't like it. I just think you play your way into your spot and then you play the team that's assigned to you because of the structure of the playoffs. Buster Olney doesn't understand what Trevor Bauer is objecting to with the proposed changes. This is what he said. I earnestly want to hear specifically what Trevor Bauer's objections are because it does feel like a system where it's potentially going to create more money for the players, more opportunity, more competitiveness among teams, more incentive for teams to try to get better during the year and during the offseason. That would all seem to be a good thing for players. So I'm really curious specifically what he doesn't like about the plan. You know, he's obviously more well-versed in the subject. I am a prisoner of the moment, a term that you like to use, Scoop. I'm reactionary in this because... I've read the basics, but I need to investigate further. And I'm a baseball junkie, a diehard baseball geek. The world stops and starts. The earth revolves with the New York Yankees. My world does. And I I mean, I don't know. I might learn more and I might change my mind. I suppose I reserve that right. But it's just it's it's interesting right now. It doesn't seem broke. It seems like it's been in a good place the last few seasons at the very least. Yeah, I'm not against it, but I'm just kind of raising my eyebrows at it. Like, okay, I'm not sure. Like, the whole idea of the TV show where you unveil who you pick, you're going to play against. Eh, That's a little weird. I prefer to actually watch a baseball game where you played another team and you won your spot for the next team you're going to play. Well, where the game stands now with analytics and it's it's – the new attitude towards Major League Baseball as opposed to the traditional viewpoint and those that don't want to see the game change and they're still arguing about not liking the shifts and all of the pitching changes and the launch angles and the just all of that. But for a long time, it was like baseball was always stuck in its traditions. Baseball was always stuck in a certain time and wouldn't accept and modernize However, it still is. Well, in some senses it is. Yeah. But Rob Manfred is out here proposing some things that have shaken everybody to their core. That's a traditional baseball fan, the purists. But Major League Baseball is finally embracing change a little bit. Listen to Buster Olney again. The baseball people I've talked to are open-minded the way you are because they look at baseball in recent years and they feel like, look, we have to make changes. And let's face it, baseball has more traditionalists than any other sport. I was one of those in the 90s when Bud Selig put in the wild card game. I thought it was a terrible idea. And you know what? I was completely wrong. It was a great idea. It drew in more fans, more teams, more players, gave them more opportunity to share in that October experience. You, you don't have to be the team that wins 105 games to have a chance if you have more teams that have an opportunity to qualify for the playoffs because, you know what, maybe a team gets right at the end of the season, you catch lightning in a bottle, you make a trade. I was the exact same way Buster only was, and I've kind of, I've kind of tried to balance my old-school baseball geek yet embracing the way the game is now just because I love the game of baseball so much, and I'm not going to turn off Yankees games regardless. So that's that's my attitude. I guess I reserve the right, like him, to change my mind 
the more I learn. I don't want a bunch of other one-game playoffs. I'll say that much. I I don't like the one-game playoff. I like the wild card idea. I like that. And and maybe if we had a couple other teams, I'm not against that either. But I want that first series to be more than one game. I just think too much rides on one game. I think the other one of those teams deserves a home game. You know, okay, does that elongate the season? Does it make the season too long? That's a discussion. Maybe, maybe so, okay? Maybe that's why they just don't want to go that way. But I don't know about the whole reality show idea where you've got, like, the GM or the coach of the team or the manager or whatever, and he's picking who they're going to play. It's just weird to me. And I, I've never really liked the whole all-star game thing where that determines who gets home field in the – in the World Series. I never liked that either. Yeah, they did that for a while. I, yeah, I don't think that's a great idea either. There's a guy named Dan Aykroyd who was in a movie named Spies Like Us, and he said it best. We mock what we do not understand. I, I guess eventually when you do understand that, you can change your opinion. You have that right as a fan, and if you don't like the changes, you can want, 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 whine about them, or you can just eventually decide, I want to watch the sport or I don't want to watch the sport. I want to watch my favorite team or I don't want to watch my favorite team. And it's not just a Major League Baseball there is evolution and changes to everything that we watch sports-wise, and we just have to accept it. I'm also going to put out there that this could be a strategic story placed to divert us from talking about sign-stealing and the Astros and the lack of accountability on the part of the players and that organization. Or to just test the waters and see what the reaction is from Major League Baseball fans. All things are possible. You're absolutely I, I, right. I think both those things could be possible. They're both plausible. The Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. We're going to hear from Jim Beheim next. He will be on the phone with us, and then, of course, we'll follow that up with a little bit of a preview and a breakdown of tonight's game against NC State. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 Seven and one hundred point one. Here's Rain and Scoop. Tonight it's the Burdick Ford and Burdick Toyota basketball pregame show with Seth Goldberg and Danny Shays. You'll catch them prior to all SU hoops games this season and tonight as well as the Orange prepare to take on NC State. That's exactly right. And we had a chance to talk to Jim Beheim a little earlier today, Scoop, and I did. So a little bit of a recap with Wake Forest, I think, is in line. And then maybe we'll get you set up with a little bit more background on tonight's game. This was our conversation with Jim Beheim here on the Sportsilla Show. Uh, everybody. Here with Jim Beheim again. Chance to talk to the SU basketball coach about an exhilarating, thrilling win that clearly, as everybody has alluded to, Jim, exactly how you drew it up the other night. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the fans were tremendous and really got going, got behind the team in the, the last four minutes. Uh, the group that was out there played great defense. Uh, Jesse got a couple steals, uh, a couple rebounds. Yeah. Uh, everybody really played good defense. And, uh, you know, we got a break at the end. We got a, Jesse made a good tip to get it over to Bryson. Bryson made a really good catch uh, and put it in the bucket. It was a really, really good play, a tough play. It was interesting. Elijah Hughes had said at one point, he, he said to Marek, don't foul out. Please don't foul out. Then he fouled out. Then he got three guys fouled out. And you're like, you know, did you worry about panic well, mode setting in or anything like that? Well, you just, 
you know, you you practice with different combinations sometimes, and you just try to play uh, as best you can in that situation. The players, uh, you know, obviously took advantage of it and played well. Uh, but, you know, obviously a foul trouble, it's okay if a guy is aggressive, uh, is going to the board, or if he's, uh, you know, trying to block a shot playing good defense, uh, you know, it's hard to follow out if you keep your fouls limited to that. But if you're going over the back or if you're reaching, um, you know, three of Quincy's fouls were, were foolish fouls, two of Marek's were really bad, and two of Barama's fouls were bad. I mean, uh, at this stage of the season, I mean, you have to look at Marek and, and uh, Baramar Jr.'s. They have they did not get in this kind of foul trouble that much in the past, and uh, they shouldn't get in this kind of foul trouble. Quincy's an aggressive player; he's he's probably going to commit some fouls. But at some point, you've got to realize uh, I can't do this or I can't do that, so that you can be in the game. You have to be aggressive, but you can't commit a bad foul, and that's that's really what. Uh, really each one of those guys is committing one or two bad fouls every game that takes them out of the game. So hopefully they've learned a little bit, learned the lesson, and we'll, we'll be better. How happy are you for Bryson to come up so big at a moment like that? Well, he's a great kid, and he's a talent. He just has been hurt, and the, I don't think the face mask, he still has trouble seeing well out of that. And it's hard to throw a guy out there when he's having trouble seeing the ball. And uh, it's been a problem because he's a talented kid and he probably would have been playing uh, more by now if it wasn't for the injury. But uh, he's a really good athlete, good defender, uh, and he did a good job the other night. Last thing I want to ask you today, Jim, is is obviously the, the play – you know, near the end line with Marek being out of bounds, not being out of bounds, uh, the technical that caused him to be fouled out, the pointing at the screen. Everybody's talked about that. There's all sorts of upheaval about, you know, criticism of the officials and there's no accountability for the officials. And just what's your take on all that? Well, the officials are going to miss calls. That's just the way it is. Uh, the difficult thing I have with that call, if you, you obviously didn't see him go out of bounds because he didn't go out of bounds. So if you don't see the play, you can't blow the whistle. You have to see him be out of bounds. And the reaction Marek made was wrong, but you know, the official should have known it was a he may have missed the call and let it you know he didn't say anything to the official, he just pointed. But, you know, it's a bad judgment to to make that uh, decision at that time. Uh but uh, you know, we've got to learn from this and you know, there's officials are gonna miss calls. They miss calls both ways, and you just have to adjust to it. We just got to beat NC State. That's what we got to do. Good luck in the next game, Jim. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. So there you go. there you go, and now we can get a little bit of a preview started on tonight. North Carolina State and Syracuse. I believe this is the thirteenth meeting overall. First one was back in nineteen ninety. They've got a really good point guard. His name is Markel Johnson. I'm sure you've heard people talk about him and throwing that name out there in a preview of tonight. However, two of their bigs, two of their key guys in the middle, uh, Funderbunk, DJ Funderbunk, uh, Funderburk, excuse me, pardon me with the mispronunciation, and Jericho Hellams, uh, those are game-time decisions for NC State, and that's where we've had problems, clearly, in the middle. So 
depending on whether those two play or not, it's, of course, going to help determine the outcome of the game. Is it going to be a little bit easier, a little bit tougher for the Cuse? Also, the fortunes of the Wolfpack are really tied to Markel Johnson, who you mentioned previously. When his shooting drops and his turnovers go up, that's when they tend to lose. Uh, Great player, very uh, good player, probably the best you know, point guard in the ACC. But when he has those struggles, the team struggles. So it's the Wolfpack goes as he goes. That's something to watch tonight. Is he locked in? Is he having trouble? That'll give you an indication, perhaps, of where the game is going. The Cuse is favored to win the game. We know this, but it's two teams that need a win. The Cuse had lost a couple. We won our last game. Both are on the bubble, and the bubble is not, the bubble's poppable this year as opposed to in years past where it was a little harder to get into the tournament. Uh, it's a little bit, a little bit more even playing field this year, but these are going to be two motivated teams because they both want the at-large bid. You both want into the tournament, so they're both going to be motivated. They need to get this done. Kevin Keats, their coach, by the way, is 2-0 and in his career against the Cuse. I don't know how much that means going into tonight because it really doesn't mean anything, but it's it's of note, I suppose. So last two times they met up, I guess it's fair to say that he pushed the right buttons. The Orange should be able to score off the fast break tonight. So I think you'll see some opportunities there as well. And that's a key to watch. How often are they able to exploit that? Because it's a weakness with the Wolfpack. They're not real good transition. So... Are we exploiting that? Are we getting a lot of points off of that? Uh, and that'll give you an indication of how things are going if it's close. Obviously, diehard Q's fans are aware of the name Manny Bates. If you've scouted NC State tonight, he blocks shots at a better rate than anybody in the country. He is number one in the country, which makes you go, hmm, we've had our battles in the middle. I suppose it applies to both ends of the court now when you look at something like that. So you've got to rely on the three-point shot. Last four games, though, Elijah Hughes, he's made just four 25 shots from three-point range. That's 16%. Yeah, it's called a slump, but what do you do when you're in a slump? You've heard Buddy Beheim talk about it. You've heard Jim talk about it. I've heard Jim talk about this for years. You keep shooting the basketball. When you're Elijah Hughes, you just shoot the basketball, and eventually they're going to start going back in for you. There are lulls, and you do go through stretches in the season where you cool off a little bit. Sometimes it's just a little tweak in the mechanics, but you just keep working at it in practice, and you keep putting up those shots in games. I do not have a concern about Elijah Hughes overall. I think he's going to be fine. He's going to find a way to put up his points. Uh, by the way, Buddy and him are both in the top five in the ACC in scoring. My guess is that downward trend starts to reverse itself. Tonight. Yeah, I think so. Because it's been four games that he's been off a little bit. He's kind of been beneath his average. So I I think Elijah comes back tonight with a good game. Another key is Quincy Gary. Everybody has taken note of the fact that he's been a monster on the offensive glass overall. Obviously, his minutes are limited in certain games. He plays more in some than others, but he keeps earning more minutes, more opportunities. He's making his mistakes. He's a freshman, but he's an athletic freak, and he pounds the offensive glass. So that's big. you got to make your free throws. It was the tale of two halves. Unbelievable free throw shooting in the first half of the Wake Forest game, and then not so much in the second half. So what does Brent Axe say all the time? Free throws do matter, and we can't have three guys foul out. We just can't get into foul trouble like that. We've got to keep the rotation the gym uses on the court. 
pretty obvious, I think. They're just a better team with Marek out there. They're able to do things. He's scoring at a, a, a better clip, it seems, all the time. So you need him out there. I just hope they win. That's all. That's all that crap we discussed doesn't mean anything at the end because it was Jesse Edwards and Bryson Goodine who helped get the win last time. I don't know if that's the script for tonight. I'm pretty sure that's not how they're intending things. But you wonder, coming through in the clutch like that and him gaining some confidence in the way that over the last four or five minutes of the game, that hodgepodge lineup won them a basketball game against a pretty good team. Did it earn coaches' confidence? Do they get a few more opportunities tonight? I'm anxious to see how that plays out. I think Elijah will be better, and I think JG3. I think we're going to have some good moments from him as well, and this could be one of those nights for both of those guys. Yeah, Joe. there's been you know some criticism here and there of Joe Girard and some decisions and, and some freshman mistakes, but ultimately he said, it's Jim Beheim. When he speaks, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to do what's necessary to get better. I'm paraphrasing but I'm sure you've seen that stuff out there on social media. Let's take a break. The Sports Show ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Another Syracuse guy named Eric Dungy. Topic of our next conversation. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. And if you miss the broadcast, get the podcast afterwards. All the places that you find us on social media. And where you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, we'll have it up there. I like it when you rhyme like that, Scoop. I feel like we've made friends on National Friend Day. Should I be the creepy one that asks, are we friends? Can we be friends? That is creepy, Nick Ailes. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. <laughs> don't do it. It is pretty creepy. PSA, don't ask someone to be your friend. They won't be your friend. Just naturally and organically become Will their be friend. Will be my friend? No, I don't want to be your friend. And stop the broom <laughs> challenge because it will work any day of the year. You went all crazy yesterday because of social media? Go try it again tonight when you get home, okay? There's a broom in our studio we tried to show you earlier. So a little earlier in the broadcast, you want to go back and rewatch Q Sports Talk on Twitch.tv, or, of course, the podcast will be out soon enough. Uh, but a Q's guy, Eric Dungy, well, he's like third string, basically, in Dallas for the Renegades. They lost 15-9 to St. Louis. I'm talking about the XFL. So Philip Nelson plays in place of presumed starter Landry Jones, but Dungy was slowed by this minor leg issue. And Syracuse, we all, well, all of us fans of Eric Dungy, we went off on social media. I was like, what's going on here? Put him in the game. I wanted to see him play. was not happy about that. They do play in... Week number two, I'm looking at the schedule. They're on Sunday against uh, Los Angeles at 3 o'clock. However, uh, Los Angeles has already the Wildcats fired defensive coordinator Pepper Johnson, who was at one point a New York Giant amongst playing for I think he was a Cleveland Brown, too, wasn't he? Uh, I, may, I think so for a season he, or so. Did he play with the Jets, possibly? He was he, uh, just a legendary Giants player. I love that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, I think he went to Michigan State, if I remember right. One game done. They don't mess around in the XFL. Hey, it's it's a 10-game season. It's not a 16-game season. It, it's important to win these games. You can't get off to a start like that. They were not happy with the defense's performance for the LA Wildcats. All right, we're going to get you on the block with Brent X here at the top of the hour. I'm sure he's going to have more of a preview of Syracuse NC State tonight. I'm sure he's going to give you a nice post-game after. I always watch his post-game videos that you'll see on Facebook and social media when he goes live. So Axeman is next. The Sports Hill Show back tomorrow, 3 o'clock, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.